prepared or brace for impact. Prepare for unconventional money moves for the Mavericks who dare to defy the status quo. Introducing the financial dynamo himself, Joshua Kravchik. So what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Unconventional Money Moves. Again, this week is sponsored by the new book, A Boy Picked Up a Penny. It's on Amazon. Check it out. If you got a kid, start teaching him about money. And speaking about money, I got Money Mike DeChocho with us today who started his entrepreneurial journey helping people with their podcast adventures. He's helped me on my podcast, set everything up, teach me the basics so that we can make this happen. So happy to have Mike on. And Mike, you, you're you full-time on the podcast world, right? Yes, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on, brother. I cannot, You just mentioned your podcast, and it's like, man, how long ago was that? It's hard to even put it on the timeline. Time is fine when you're having fun. But yeah, full-time podcast right now, producing my own show, of course, Mike'd Up. And then I also, uh, right now, I have nine shows that are I'm the executive producer on, and I have a team at Social Chameleon that I built over the last handful of years uh, going really from kind of the solopreneur into creating a, a brand and a company. Yeah. And Mike knows what it's like to just get started because he is helping other people do this. And it was not long ago. I mean, you only had like less than a hundred subscribers on your channel. Now you're getting thousands and thousands of views. Obviously you're not where Joe Rogan is, but no one's where Joe Rogan is. However, you know what steps it takes in order mm -hmm. to get the production be consistent and allow yourself to, you know, allow the podcast to compound over time. So, I mean, where, where did you start with this? Cause I know when we chatted, you were, I don't know if you were just getting started or where you were at on the situation, but like, I know that you tell, give us a little background on, cause I know you're working like insurance and then you got to have insurance. Now you're doing podcasts and uh, it's yeah. actually quite intriguing. Yeah. So my story I'll share to talk about like, you know, as far as where Joe Rogan's at and where beginners start and what their goal in mind is too. I want to hit on that story. Um, so make sure I come back to that because it's a really good point that you made right there. And I'd like people to not get discouraged, but be encouraged and inspired by starting and where you can go and actually what your true purpose is. If it's to get a million downloads on your first episode, I think your goal is is actually probably not accurate as far as what you're looking for and what you're going to do as far as serving and the purpose of your show. And if you want to monetize it, that's part of the conversation, but I, I like to hit on that, but to go back to give people a little bit of my backstory, if, if you haven't heard it yet. Um, so I grew up in Buffalo, New York and, and to me, man, um, I, I grew up, a, you know, I know you're a Jaguars fan Duval. I get it. Uh, you guys, congratulations on the win in London. You kicked our butts there and we haven't been right since, but I grew up a, a <laughs> We Go always give, uh, the Jacksonville always gives Buffalo a hard time. I don't know why. The don't Jags why. and the Jets have been our kryptonite. Like Josh Allen looks MVP caliber, and then he'll play the Jags and the Jets, and he just cannot do anything. Although we gave you a little bit of excitement at the end of the game, we made it close, but bad game. All right, so why am I even talking about that? I grew up a Buffalo kid. Um, in our in our town, it was it's very much like blue collar. My dad worked at the Ford plant. A lot of like kind of factory stuff, be a school teacher, a police officer, you know, kind of your standard stuff when you grow up as a kid. What are you going to be? 
Um, but my interest wasn't in any of that. I was always interested in entertainment, arts. Um, I, I became a drummer at a really young age, about 11 years old. So I was always into the arts of, and, and kind of being creative. Um, and I had an, an uncle that I uh, really inspired me, and he was a drummer as well. He moved from Buffalo to LA and pursued a, a career in, uh, in actually film, but he's behind the big board and he's doing engineering and stuff. So that was kind of my thing of like, oh, you you could actually pursue this. You just have to go maybe different avenue or chase your dream and go to where the action's happening, New York City, LA, wherever it might be. What's cool now is you can make the action happen in your backyard because of YouTube or any content content platform. So the the idea um, of, of how I got into podcasting was it was always kind of in my heart to be creative and do something like that. I remember back when I was a little guy, like literally cassette tapes and doing like a DJ routine going from green day to weezer to oasis whatever i was you know i was listening to when i was eight years old press and record pause you know and kind of going on track to track um so i had a little bit of that interest but i never thought i'd be like doing radio slash podcasting where i'm like the host of a show i always was more kind of the kid goofing around with the camera and and with my brother we would write screenplays and do all that kind of stuff when we were really little and we used to show it like our friends would come hang out we play football afterwards they'd come and watch our movie you know what i mean like so we were doing that kind of stuff from a really young age um i did pursue it in college i went to buffalo state i have a media productions degree bachelor of arts um and then what happened there i'm 22 years old graduate and still in buffalo at that time and it's like okay where do i want to go with this and the options at the time were like work at the news station, fetching coffee for a little bit until you can maybe get into a production role. And then everything was going automated at that time. And I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm 37. So I'm not super young, like to where kids, you know, get out of college. Now I'm sounding like an old man, kids, but like <laughs> someone comes out of college now and almost everything is like, they know this automated AI world like that. That wasn't what I was really going through. But I was seeing that those jobs were limited and it wasn't really what I wanted to do. You know, like telling people it's snowing outside or raining or if, if our sports teams won or lost, which at that time was a lot more losing than they're doing today, wasn't what I wanted to do. So I ended up kind of like the dream was a little bit kind of beaten out of me, like, oh, this isn't possible going into like um, producing, whether it's long form film, like, um, present, you know, doing more episodic things for TV like that kind of that dream was a little bit beaten out of me. Um, feature, you know, uh, films. So I didn't end up pursuing that. I ended up getting into music. I played pretty much every club in town. You know, we did a little bit of traveling around like the Buffalo, Cleveland area for a little while. And so that was always interesting to me. Um, but at, at a certain point, I'm like 22, 20, 25, got serious with my girlfriend. I knew it was time to save up for a ring. And playing at clubs and stuff was pretty much just playing for lunch money and for fun, you know, a couple of free drinks here and there. It wasn't necessarily um, going to be paying the long, long-term bills. Right. So I ended up getting really good in sales and I didn't know that that was going to happen. You mentioned the insurance job. Like I didn't wake up one day saying I'm going to be an insurance agent. But what happened was I was working at a music store and I fell in love with helping people out and just listening to their stories. And I just really enjoyed working with people. Um, and the more I got better at it, the more I realized it's about listening and not just talking and telling people everything you know about the product. So I'm working in, at a music store as the drum guy. Literally, they were like, oh, he's the drum manager. Um, 
but because it was called the Guitar Factory, it was a local music store, not to be confused with Guitar Center. Most of the people that came in and shopped were looking for guitars, strings, amps, pickups. So when when the store wasn't as busy, I was in there learning all that stuff, you know, and watching. We did have YouTube, <laughs> watching YouTube videos about gear and pedals and all kinds of cool stuff. So what did that teach me? Know your product, product knowledge, and then also get uncomfortable and know competitors' products. So I started to really get good at that side of, of business and sales. And after doing that for about a year, I, I um, got into Sleep Number and worked there for a little while because the reason I did it was it was more money. <laughs> it was better pay. And I was saving up for an engagement ring at the time. Um, did that job very well. Became a President Circle winner my first year within the company. That's when the light bulb went off, Josh. That was when it was like, this isn't just fun, something I'm good at. I can really see a career in sales. And then as I got good with that company, the thing that I asked myself was, I'm selling mattresses and I'm doing a great job here. I'm not really selling mattresses. I'm selling quality life because if you sleep well, you can live well, right? So that was the whole idea. Um, so I, I understood that and became very good at it. But then I said, like, maybe I can do something outside of a store where you're kind of stuck in that store environment. People come in, you can sell. Nobody shows up or answers their phone at home. You're kind of limited. So I wanted to get an outside sales. So I started putting my resume on on LinkedIn at the time. And this is like 2012 when LinkedIn was just kind of brand spanking new. It was literally like an online resume. There wasn't a lot of content going on. And it was it worked out great. I was getting recruited all the time. Different online recruiters would call me or email me or inbox me. And um, Liberty Mutual came knocking on my door. I'm like, I don't know shit about insurance at that time. I really didn't understand it. I was still pretty immature to the importance of life insurance and stuff like that. I ended up getting the gig and did that for about four years, learned the business side of it, networking, growing a book of business, policies, what insurance is, the language, protecting people and their families and their assets. And I did really well with it. Um, about four years in, as a new guy, I was doing pretty well compared to some of the senior reps in the in the office. Like I was always competitive with them. Um, I was always very self-motivated, Josh, like, you know, our area manager said, here's your goal for the month, but really that was never my goal. My goal was how much does, do I believe I can do? You know what I mean? So I was very self-inspired and, uh, did that, uh, got married, beautiful family. My daughter's now eight years old already, which is hard to believe. Um, and everything was going great until I ended up getting divorced when I was 31 um, and at that point in time is where the really podcast journey starts. So I know this is kind of a long story, but that's the sales background you asked me about. How did so I get into year, this? Go ahead. Wait, wait, what year was that? These this started? Yeah, I got divorced in um in twenty seventeen. Yeah. yeah. And, and so at that point in time, I had kind of a mid, early, early, early midlife crisis. And the and the crisis <laughs> was, I put all my eggs into my family and doing everything for them. Now I enjoyed selling insurance because I, I cared about people and I liked the people in my office and it was fun. And I liked the idea that there's uncapped potential, you know, like the more I sold, the more I made, it was fun. Uh, there was a little bit of you and I are both sports fans. So whenever I looked at my sales quotas, it was like, every time I sold a policy, I felt like I scored a touchdown. And, you know, every time you make a phone call, it's like getting a first down. And you, you literally, I, I thought of things in that way, almost like more like baseball batting averages and everything. And so I was very analytical about how I ran it. Um, 
But in 2017, when the divorce happened, I had the opportunity to literally look myself in the mirror because we were separated, got my apartment, empty apartment. All I had hanging on the walls was the mirror in the bathroom and a bunch of boxes, my whole life boxed up. And I looked at myself and I said, who do you want to be? Because for a long time, as happy as I was when the marriage was going well, it was really like I was becoming the version of Mike that was best for the family. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's a lot of married people listening like, yeah, you got to compromise. You got to do what's right for the family too. True. But I do believe it's important to not lose touch with yourself. And I started to become this corporate version of myself that was so focused on making money that I forgot that I could have more fun and be who God made me to be. And so I was like listening to a lot of podcasts at the time, which is where this journey begins. And I'm learning things that, Josh, I didn't learn in school. I didn't learn in college. I wasn't even learning in books. And I'm hearing it from people who not only are experts on it, but they've lived it. It's their story. It's their truth. You know, guys like Ed Milet, Grant Cardone, love him or hate him, but he'd share his story about overcoming addiction and building up his multi-million. And I think he's even maybe in the billion now range. Um, there's just so many different stories. Lewis House, arena football player, breaks his arm, doesn't get into the NFL, sleeping on his sister's couch, sells a business, a couple million dollars, learns how to do LinkedIn, sells LinkedIn courses. I was one of the people who signed up for those, the webinars. And now Lewis House has this gigantic brand about the School of Greatness and his podcast. Um, people like that, that are really great, like if you get to know them, and some 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 of these people I have actually either interviewed or talked to um, virtually or sometimes in person, and you just get to know them. And you realize that, why not me? So as I'm going through this tough time in life, I'm thinking, why not me? Why don't I build my own thing? So I grabbed a notebook and I just jotted down a bunch of ideas. And that's where, when Social Chameleon was born. And I literally went and at that time, I went back to sleep number just to make put this on the, the right timeline. After doing insurance, um, I got recruited to be a store manager at Sleep Number. So I did do that for a little while, um, about a year and a half. And I was doing super great at the company, like really breaking some records and stuff. And my area manager couldn't believe it when I quit. He's like, why would, like, why would you walk away? It would literally be like kind of Andrew Luck leaving in the prime of his career. And, and it, it was similar to that feeling. And I just was like, because this isn't what I feel like. I was actually meant to do on this planet. The creative side of my life is zero right now. <laughs> and um, and that needs to not be the case. And when I would bring creative stuff to the table, but as you know, Josh, in corporate, it needs to get approved by about 12 different people before someone, a decision maker even gets to it. Um, and a lot of my creative ideas just didn't end up going anywhere. And I realized in corporate America, like if you want to get creative, you got to be in the ad agency that they're hiring for their creative process. Otherwise, it doesn't go anywhere. So I left, started Social Chameleon. And in the early days, it was media, marketing, branding, helping small companies. Like, you know, day one, three, six, nine financial. Like you're thinking about logo, design, website. How do I get my YouTube channel started? All that good stuff. Instagram. That's what I was consulting people on. I think that's when you and I met was like at that point when I was just building it. Um, and then a friend asked me to produce his podcast because he knew I had the audio knowledge from college. Uh, like I said, I did media production. So I produced his show about 50 episodes. He had Ed Milet on, Grant Cardone, a lot of great guests. Um, and after I learned the game, I got this hard tug. And in November of 2019, I decided 
time for me to launch my own show because I realized my personal brand was something that was important to me, not just to work in the company and help people out, but I also wanted people to be inspired to do it too. So like, if I can do it, you can do it. And I didn't want to just like do it for me to be successful or excited or, you know, creating content for me. So the mission of Mike'd Up was to inspire people to be brave and bold in pursuit of their dreams. And the way I do it yeah. is interview great people. They share their story. I'm talking athletes, entertainers, um, keynote speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, people at a high level of success. Some you may know because they're call them quote unquote A-list type people. But uh, some of the most inspiring stories are people that, Josh, they're, they're you and me. I mean, they're guys that just worked hard. They're gals that just believed in themselves and they're getting to where they want to go. Um, and so that's what, why I do the show. And what happened is about a month into it, I blasted out my email saying like, hey, you know, I got this new show and I just kept promoting it like crazy. One of my clients that I was doing video work for, they're like, you you do podcasting too? Like I, your show looks pretty good. Do you like, can you do that for us? So of course the answer was yes. I figured, you know, I wrote him up a proposal. At first, I thought they wanted me to coach them. They're like, no, dude, we want you to just do the whole damn thing. I'm like, oh, light bulb. That's how it all happened. And then from there, most of the people I was meeting with on Zoom calls and everything, they're asking me 99% of the time on podcasting and 1% of the time on the other stuff. So I just realized it's time to pivot the business. I did that in about 2019. Before the word pivot was the second um, most frequent P word that was used that 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 year, obviously the pandemic. <laughs> so the pandemic came, everyone's freaking out. And I'm like, man, I'm glad I just went to an all virtual model because my business used to be like meeting people at coffee shops in Buffalo and their business fronts in Buffalo. And then I switched it to, I can serve anybody that has a Wi-Fi connection. Uh, and that's really when the business started to take off. And I had to rebrand us, and then it became Social Chameleon Podcasting done for you. So that's the that's the journey. How, how many how how many episodes of Mic'd Up has there been on YouTube? Two hundred and seven episodes of my show, and I've been the producer or executive producer on thousands of episodes for clients. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And a lot of people are like, "Man, like I don't know how to get started, or I don't know what to do." I mean, the cool part about like podcasting is it's going to teach you a lot about yourself in the beginning to help you. So, I mean, you record yourself, you're going to hear yourself speak. You're going to pick up on things that you need to improve on. You're going to focus on how you look on a camera when you're talking with someone, which is important moving forward after the global pandemic. So in terms of like podcasting, doing videos in the beginning, no one, you're going to get like three, four views and yeah, they're most likely your friends and family aren't going to show up to support you because that's not the way it works. Um, yeah, Josh, let me people. answer your question earlier about Rogan. Remember you said like, you know, in the beginning you started yeah, off. Yeah, I've been, I've been listening to his like first podcast episodes. I can't even listen to them. They're so bad. Yeah. yeah. But it's so, beautiful. So the point is you got to get started. That's how you're going to, it's a ball of clay. Eventually you're going to, it's going to be much more smooth. You'll be able to shape it and mold it into what you want. So do get started. I don't recommend just being reckless and like, oh, well, just because we could get started, we'll figure it out later. Like come in with a plan and a purpose and a mission and like who you want to serve and know what you want to talk about. So be calculated, but don't wait until you have the perfect shiny object to share with the world. Like you do eventually have to get started and you'll get better. But the thing is, it's not so much about like, Oh, you'll get so good that you'll have a size audience like Rogan or 
if it's a sports show like Pat McAfee, like the deal is you want to be the expert in your space or the person that people like to tune in. Expert might not even be the right word because maybe your show is about crime, you know, um, or you know, I see you're smiling because like, it's a little callback to your original show. Uh, <laughs> what was it called again? Crimes and Dimes? Crimes and Dimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So so the idea is to be the person in, in a particular <laughs> space, niche, you know, a niche, you know, in a particular arena that people want to tap into your content, be interesting, be creative, be entertaining, be prepared, be the best at what you can do. The other part of it is, do you need, you know, 500,000 views on your YouTube channel for that to be the case? Think of it this way, Josh, if you and I right now, as we record this, it's Wednesday, right? So if we did an event Friday night in Jacksonville, I'm flying down. We're going to look, we're going to dress up. We're going to look good. We're going to do a, a seminar. You're going to talk about money. I'm going to talk about personal branding and podcasting, right? We do this two-headed thing. And we get 72 people to show up in a college uh, lecture room. Would we be happy about that? I think we'd be pretty freaking thrilled, 100, right? 100%. 72 is a lot of people, man. Um, right? Public speaking. And- and it would be engaged because they'd be with us. They'd ask Q&A questions. We'd get to know all of them. You'd t- talk to everybody, probably get a little bit of an email list or something going where we can stay connected. So it's not a one and done. My point is like, if there's podcasters out there that get bummed out when they get 72 downloads. And it's like, you got to remember, people chose you, dude. Like they chose your show. They chose you to listen to it. If you're getting views on your YouTube channel, like there's a gazillion options that they could view. So be happy that you do have the few, the 12 that you're getting on day one. And it's not just your mom, like, you know, be happy about those, those views you're getting because people are choosing to hang with you. And then the next thing is how can you serve them your purpose? What are you putting out into the world that is actually making their lives better? And I think that's when you get excited about that, the monetary piece does come down the road, but when you're truly serving and in your case, it's it's knowledge, right? You're giving people knowledge about their finances, about their wealth, about how they can create it themselves, how they can compound it over time and do the right money plays. That's the stuff I'd, I'm not an expert on. That's your expertise. Um, when you share that with people and they want to hear it and they, they enjoy hearing it from you, now they become a fan of the show. They become someone that you can later on, now they're an informed audience member, they can become a client. You don't, Give them the information only because you're like, I'm giving this to you for free. So you buy from me. If you do that, then you're just, you're just another salesman, not door knocking, hoping for numbers. You're not really connecting with the human. But so what I'm trying to tell everybody right now is if you start a podcast, start with a purpose first, write out your idea. Don't wait to get started, but also have that fine line between pushing yourself forward and being prepared. Um, and then just make sure you're connecting with the right purpose so so when you're doing your content it makes sense if you and i just started a show tomorrow we're talking about god knows anything it may not go anywhere the other thing i'll say about rogan's show and even like theo vaughn i've been watching him a lot lately i think he's pretty interesting and he gets a lot of views he'll have someone on the show and they'll almost go anywhere with the topics and i think that allows it to be a little bit more of a popular downloaded show because it's not so industry focused right like mic'd up it's a lot of business entrepreneurial stories which the people who are into that thing will love it 
So if the numbers are down, but it's tighter what you're talking about, I think that's still okay. But if you want to talk just general, and those shows a lot of times, like I know Rogan, what he's really good at is something will happen, whether it's the war that's going on in Israel, um, it could be an athlete that gets injured, the Will Smith slap, something that's super <laughs> topical. The next day, they're on the mic with their guest, and he could have Robert Downey Jr. on, but now they're talking about the Will Smith slap in the moment. And everybody wants to know about it. So they're like learning about the situation and they're breaking the news to them. And it's not just some talking head on CNN. It's actually a couple of cool dudes talking about it or gals on their show almost within 24 hours. It has to be like within 24 hours of it happening. That's where you, if your goal is just to blow up on YouTube, create a show about topic, topical stuff like that. Um, Ben Shapiro, he's always talking about the latest and greatest things that are coming out, whether you like him or hate him, he's got a show that covers it, right? But if you really want to serve an audience, and it might be um, moms talking about, you know, parenting and running a business from home, right? And also um, having a side hustle in addition to a full-time job, very specific thing now, right? You got a family, you have the side hustle and the job, it's like, there's going to be people who fall into this category. Um, and if, if they're kind of coaching through different suggestions and productivity tips and how to balance life and even getting to more personal stuff, they start talking about menopause and all kinds of stuff. That's like, this is very specific, but there's going to be an audience that will, they'll eat that up and that'll be perfect. Now they create a community. The next part of it is have something for your community, get togethers. I created a, mastermind group around mic'd up a, a few years ago it ended up getting to the point where um i don't want to it got a little bit bigger like i needed to continue to grow it so i ended up joining a few others but the idea is that you build i have so many friends now josh you're yourself included <laughs> that i well, thank you through, mike through mic'd up bro and it's just like i didn't intend on that that's just a co-benefit you know they become like lifelong friends now people i've known for three five years that are you know, Thanksgiving's around the corner. I'm going to get a text message from, you know, or I'll send a text message. I know you and I have done that before. Um, it's about being real. I think the most important thing is be you, be real. Everyone else has taken. Every other idea has happened. So if you're starting a show right now, don't try to be Joe Rogan. Go and be yourself. Yeah, I mean, Joe Rogan just... He just wants to talk to interesting people and have a normal conversation. I mean, like, I, he's really good at what me, he does, by the way. It's not by accident. He's a good interviewer. Let's be yeah, real. People, he, he asks good questions. People, people will even ask me to, like, Josh, like, what questions are you going to ask? I was like, I don't know. I just want to talk yeah. with you and see where it goes. And, like, you know, if we get on one topic and it's really interesting and we talk about the whole topic the whole time, that's cool. Um, I don't mm -hmm. really have an agenda. I just want to meet people, hear their stories. You know, drop a couple nuggets. You never know who's going to listen. You know, one person can listen to this podcast. And if right. one person listens to this podcast and it inspires them to make a podcast, you know, that was a success. Yeah. Um, and and I get tapped on the in the grocery line three years from now. And someone's like, hey, I heard your episode with Josh and you inspired me to do my show. And I have a whole business around it. My wife and I are going on vacation. We're going to Hawaii next week because we created this thing. We're doing protein bars around. It's based around our podcast. Oh my God, like that idea started somewhere, right? It started with someone who heard another story or is inspired by some piece of information. 
And now you got to go take the action on it. Um, the other thing I feel like I can actually speak to with, with my own truth is just, I haven't given up, you know, the other reason that I got to 207 consecutive episodes is not by magic. I mean, I just, I never gave up. I mean, I've had some episodes get hundreds of downloads and thousands of views and some, you know, might get 30, but I, it doesn't stop me. You know, it actually gets me thinking, okay, what, what more can I do to improve? Um, maybe that was just a, a topic or a situation that wasn't great. And here's the cool part about it. It's not always the bigger guest that guarantees more viewership. And the reason why that is, is if you have a big guest, they've been on thousands of other podcasts. So the likelihood that going to be like that day it came out, stop and drop everything they're doing and be like, I was on Josh's show, boom, 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 three, six, nine, and just give, give you all the love. Likelihood is small, but someone who's telling their truth in their story for the first time and they open their heart and really got real on the show. They're sharing it with their friends and family who are now like, I never knew that about Mike. Oh my God. He just shared this like really like heartfelt story and it gets views. It gets downloads. You pull some clips from it. And all of a sudden those are going more viral than usual. So it's not always the person, the name, it very much is the content. I think that still is what drives people to the show. Good content, interesting stories, topical ideas. Um, you know, and then also it has, I, I said, this not sound like a broken record. It has to be real. Like if you're just saying what you think people want to hear, um, that, that's going to fall pretty thin. Right. So, but yeah, that's kind of, that's how I got started. I know it was a little bit of a windy story, but um, what's cool now is with social chameleon, I have a lot of people who want more of the, the do it yourself tips. Um, like you were talking about, like people want to get started. There's really three avenues they can go right now. Not to get into a sales pitch here, but just to share like how it, how it ended up being created. The first one is done for you. Like if someone comes to us and they're like, we just want the whole thing done for us. We'll press record. You guys handle the rest. We have that audio, video, social media content, graphics, um, distribution and publishing. You know, we also do everything white glove style to, to guest source and also do the booking. We handle all that stuff for people too. Um, that's number one done for you. Do it yourself. You have the option of getting coached by me one-on-one. -on -one. We launch your show. We do onboarding. Um, we talk about gear making sure you're doing all the right things before you release that first episode or trailer, right? That's two. And then three is the brand new thing, which we're doing courses. And I know it's mm. like, oh, everybody has, everybody has a course. Well, the, the thing is I realized my goal initially was to hit a bigger community and I can help way more people with courses than I can do just if I limited myself to one-on-one -on -one coaching. Because I yeah. can only be on one Zoom call at a time. I release courses, you could do it. If you're a night owl, you could do some of the courses at two o'clock in the morning. You don't need me to be there. Um, so there's some people who like the one-on-one because -on -one they get the real live feedback and Q and a with me. Um, that'll obviously it costs more for the in-person or the, on the, the zoom call one-on-one, -on -one. but then the courses are super accessible and then we're still building this out, but there will be an online community, whether it's going to be a social media group or something where people have full on access to us, to my team, and to other people within the community. So now everybody is really supporting each other and excited. So it's going to be other podcasters lifting each other up, asking questions, getting feedback. Um, and then if they want any 
additional level of production help, we're right there to help them. So where's the course at? Uh, so the course is being built right now. So it's not, it's not live right now. If someone does want information and you go to socialchameleon.us, you'll notice there's a courses tab. When you click on that, you can, um, there's this one drop down right now, fill in, um, yes, I want more information, put, drop your email. And then once everything goes live, people will be notified and everything. I'm yeah, still now, doing a little bit of my homework because we're we're building about 20 courses. Everything from really like the pre-planning stages of your show to the very detailed editing, some of the tedious stuff um, that people need some help with. Um, and there's everything in between. It's publishing tips, guest sourcing, how to write a perfect pitch letter, how to make a great one sheet, all this stuff that comes with both sides of the table hosting your show and also being a great guest on a show. Yeah. All the yeah. tips and tricks that uh, you've learned over the last. It, it's really anything podcast related. So like I said, there's about 20 different courses we're building. Um, but yeah, if you're interested again, socialchameleon.us, click on courses and there's more info right there. And now this is your full-time gig, right? Like you're not doing anything else. So this is like a full-time jam for you. You're able to support yourself, take your daughter yeah. on daddy, daddy, daughter dates. Yeah, that's that is true, man. So um, it it very much there was only about a month when it was the side hustle because I literally walked away from corporate the second I had the idea. Do I recommend that for everybody? No, because you're going to, you know, depending on your situation, you may need a longer rope, if you will, financially. But to me, the thing is, if I had one foot on land and, and one foot on water and you start to get a little wobbly out there, it's so easy to put your other foot back on land. Be like, I'll, I'll come back to that later. What I needed to do personally, this is my personality and decision. I wanted to jump all in, no ships around me, just sharks. I had to navigate the waters to safety myself. And within five years, I've done that. Um, were there dark and scary and really horrible times? Absolutely. There were times when I remember looking at my bank account, dude. One time I had 13 cents in my account. Um, and I, and I didn't know how I was going to make my next payment. Right. Um, I had times when I was trying to put dinner on the table and, and it was like, I could barely afford fast food that night, but th those dark times, I never quit. I kept believing in myself and moving forward. Um, there were times when family had to help me out. I'm ashamed to say that. Like I had to kind of, with my tail between, between my legs, my sister offered me to stay at her home for a period of time, literally like they have a had a man cave. It was my sister and her husband. And this is a couple of years ago. I stayed in their basement, which sounds really bad, but it was uh, like a man cave setup. I didn't even really utilize it. I shared this on episode 200, like my full story, my truth and everything. Um, but I just, it was just a place I could stay while I kept operating my business. It was never a, oh, I'm just going to enjoy this, you know, like, oh, there's a 110 inch screen TV and a bunch of football memorabilia on every wall. Um, it was a cool place to be hanging out, but I just did what I needed to do. I mean, I, I was ready to, to like shower at the gym and live out of my car for a minute if I had to. Thankfully, that never happened, Josh. But like it, it my point is, I'm not s suggesting people do that. But for me, that was my story. What I do suggest somebody does is research it because information is at our fingertips. A lot of it's free, right? Read read your books, listen to your aud audibles, you know, your audio books, listen to podcasts, find a thing that you're interested in, study it really detailed. 
right? And then make your moves with education-backed decisions opposed to, I was very much just go with my heart, my gut. Um, and that can get you into some sticky situations, you know? So, but I, uh, I don't, there's things I would do differently, but I don't, um, regret anything because I know it made me who I am today and got me to where I'm at today as well. And to answer your question, yeah, this is full time, hundred percent of my income comes through social chameleon. Um, you know, whether it's coaching or most, most of it's done for you. Uh, like I said, I'm the executive producer on nine different shows and that's growing. I've done dozens of, of new launches, similar to your show, um, and thousands of episodes over the last five years. And it's gone by quick. Like when you're talking about how long have you been doing this? It doesn't feel like as long as it's been, uh, but it's been a few years. It goes by very quick. And the, the cool thing about it is I get to really create my own calendar. So when I want to spend those daddy daughter dates, like I get to be more, um, selective of it you know the thing that's actually tough for me just to share this personally is my daughter does um live in philly with her mom i'm in buffalo currently so i'm looking to move to philly because it's six hours door to door mm -hmm. so when i do get her um i obviously like you know leave early in the morning then i get her friday night we hang out all day saturday and sunday and then monday i'm back to back to the office i work from home so uh i say office very loosely you know so but yeah, it's dude, it's that that's what works for me. The thing that's really cool about entrepreneurship is you know is you can make it whatever you want. You know, like you did something cool a couple of years ago. You and your buddies created the company and then you went and you got an office. That was something you didn't actually need to do, but you wanted to do, right? So you had a really cool place to meet with clients and stuff like that, right? So like everybody has their own different vision. And just I, I'm just encouraging people to don't let other people um, kind of beat your dreams out of you because what that means is they don't believe they can do it. And you're going to have people who love you that don't suggest you do things because they think that it, it could potentially hurt or harm you. It's like I had family who was like, man, you had such a good corporate job. You could just go back to that in a minute and you can make a hundred grand, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, that's yours. That's you telling telling yourself that you're not willing to put in the work to build a company but i am you know what i mean so i would just let encourage people to know everybody's threshold's different some people the first shaky part of business they're back on land they're back in corporate and there's nothing wrong with that either because they can have a they can serve in a lot of great ways that way too think of a great teacher that's a beautiful job serving doing what they love if they really enjoy it that that's a great position and I commend someone that's a successful career, right? If you do that the right way, um, not every successful career ends in a Lamborghini, you know, Instagram picture. That's, that's not what success is. Value is different for everybody. It's really in the, like the, you know, the beholder, right? So, um, I think that's, what's most important. Do what, what you value. And to me, it's about spending more time with the people you care about, your friends, your family, and activities that really bring life to you. We get one shot, dude, at this thing. And it's like, I think so many people think they'll do it some at some point. You know, I'll do that in my second, you know, my first 10 years in business, I'll do this. My After that, I'll start thinking about maybe some other stuff. It's like, why are you pushing it down the road? 
you know, who the hell knows if you have another 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. So that's his yeah. kind of spitballing, brother. How's it like, give me a little bit more personally. And there may be some people tuning into your show that were maybe checking out my content came to, came to your show through me, but tell me a little bit more about three, six, nine, what you guys have been doing in the last year or so since we last talked. Well, things have been pretty crazy. Had a lot of ups and downs. Um, essentially, we just opened up a new office in Baltimore. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Congrats. So got an office in Jacksonville, got an office in Baltimore. Just came out so with So do you bounce book. between the two? Yeah, I was just in Florida not too long ago. So bouncing back and cool. forth. Get it gotta escape the cold. Uh yeah. I, I'm learning I'm learning to take your summer vacation in the winters up north. That's right. <laughs> and, then you, and then you stay up you here. Do everything the backwards. Yeah. So you're you're more in Baltimore, like your main office now for you personally is Baltimore? Yeah, we just had our uh our daughter just showed up four months ago. So we moved up here to be closer to the Roxanne's family brother. to get some help. Yeah, thanks, man. Cheers. Um, yeah, I saw your pictures so, the other day. That was awesome. Yeah. So I mean we're working on that. Uh just getting getting creative on how can we not remain such a secret? Mm -hmm. Uh because the things that we're doing are super cool. Our clients have uh, definitely reaped the reward of uh, us taking an unconventional approach to certain things. And I mean, that's the thing, man, is like you can't remain a secret. You got to put yourself out there and you're going to have to fail and keep failing until eventually, you know, people are watching whether they hit that like button or comment. Like you'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. People come up to me. It's like, hey, I watch all your videos. I, yeah. I wouldn't know that, right? <laughs> but people are watching regardless if you don't think anyone's paying attention or not. So that's, I agree. That's where we're at on everything. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you also had some um, ideas cause I know you love golf. Did you end up doing anything with your golf ideas? There was like the yeah, little. Yeah. So, so I did get it to market, uh, created a pretty cool TikTok. Don't have a stroke, you know, went viral several times, like millions and millions yeah. of plays on videos um, made sales, got sales, uh, just ran out of steam, man. And I realized yeah. the big, the, you know, it was a side project. It was a passion project. Right. It was something, uh, you know, I thought it was pretty cool, but, uh, did you I get the idea when you were like actually golfing? Like, Oh, it'd be really cool if I had this, let me create it. Yeah. Yeah. I had like my best round ever. And I was like, <laughs> man, if I could replicate this, I could potentially like help other people to have that, you know, that aha moment on the golf course, which is like, know brings you happiness and i figured if it yeah. helped me it could help other people um maybe it'll maybe it'll explode one day maybe i was a little bit early um dude that's the cool thing about entrepreneurship is you could pick that back up whenever you want it, like you said it was a little bit more of a, a hobby or something and even if you you get a couple hundred sales like that's still pretty cool you're helping out that many people and you know what i mean it could be something i know some people who are successful in like their primary business and then they do have kind of a secondary hustle that maybe it's not as big. Again, it's not retirement money that you're getting from every every device you sell or whatever. But it's just cool to know, like, that's that's your passion. Like, you'd probably just hand those things out for free if you could or wanted to. But, you know, you make a couple bucks on each one, whatever. I yeah, I've donated them to a yeah. few places. Uh, I mean, right. I have a patent that's in the history books. Um, yeah. It'll be there forever. Yeah, um, that's cool. So... And what about 369, man? Where did the idea for that come? Well, 
369. What does the name mean? Yeah. So 369 is considered the magic number. So like Nikola Tesla said, if you can figure out the meaning of the numbers three, six, and nine, you can unlock the keys of the universe. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. And also mm-hmm. three, six, nine stands for the three stands for growth. You always want to be growing. The six stands for family. You want to have strong family values. And then the nine stands for philanthropy. So it's important not just to take, but to also give back. And when mm-hmm. creating an organization, I want something to represent something bigger than myself. Otherwise, I would just called it craft chick money management. Right. Which um, I'm glad you didn't because so many people just cop out and they use their name. It's like, where is the creativity level on that? You know? Right. And I mean, I want to create something bigger than myself. And in order to do that, um, mm-hmm. there's there's not any organization that, I mean, there's a few that have names like J.P. Morgan Chase, but even General Electric, that's like a Thomas Edison thing or, um, you know, companies like, I mean, you have Ford, you have Johnson & Johnson. I mean, there are people's Yeah, it names. happens for sure. But, but, you know, now it's like, okay, you wanted to create, I like what you said there, something bigger than myself, you know, and uh, you're definitely doing that. I love that, the 369. So growth, family, and philanthropy. That's like a the perfect triad. It really is. Your business, yeah. growth and success, your family time and values, right? And then philanthropy, giving back. That's really my vision, man. When I meet with my mentors and everything, we go through it. it it's getting it gets right back to the heart of why am I doing this? You know, we've all heard Simon Sinek's know your why. And that's when businesses are really successful when they understand the why, why someone's gonna actually purchase this over our competitor. Um, but really like your own internal compass, three, six, nine, there's a cat power song. I remember hearing one time and it's like three, six, nine, I drink wine, got my monkey, monkey on the back, something, something, something. And I was like three, six, nine. I'm like, oh, all right, maybe that means something. <laughs> I thought of you when I heard it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? You, probably not, you, you, you gotta, you gotta look it up. Three, six, nine, but cat power. It's a pretty catchy tune. Three six nine by Cat Power. I'll check it out. But uh, yeah, appreciate you having on, Mike. Dropped a lot of uh good knowledge bombs and socialchameleon.us. Got courses mm-hmm. coming out. Check out Mike'd Up on YouTube. It's got a lot of cool episodes. Which episode would you say uh would be a good intro one? For I would to send people at? to two hundred. It's my story. I shared some of it today. But it gets a little bit more into the juicy details of like when I hit rock bottom. The, the highs of the, you know, the highs, the lows, everywhere in between. It's kind of my, like, it's crazy that it's episode 200 because really the early episodes are all about getting out of the way, interviewing my guests, letting them shine. And then I kind of like had some people asking a little bit more about what I have going on and stuff. So I took episode 200 to kind of set the tone for, if you've been listening to me for a while, you might not know all this stuff about me. Um, so I'd say that's the first one. And then from there, I just suggest that like based on the topics and things that you like, just check out my um, titles are pretty, you know, like they're self-explanatory. So, you know, um, I have a friend who just started a travel business that he focuses on booking people's trips to Disney. Um, That was episode, I want to say 206, Uh, John Beebe, Beebe Travel, and him and his wife started a company called Beebe's Bargains that blew up. They have like 70,000 people in their community. And it's a it's a cool interview because it was a two-parter. He was on talking about the bargains business. And then I had him back on to talk about the travel business because there's just too much to talk about one episode. And what he did to promote it was he went to Disney 
and did a 24-hour challenge. He lives in Philly, so he woke up 3 a.m., flew down to Orlando, did all four parks, flew home, and slept. So he woke up in his bed and went to bed in his bed all within 24 hours. And he did all four Disney parks. So Being why from Orlando, did do... that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Philly to Orlando, four parks back to Philly. Why did he do it? Because he, as he was doing it, it was he was on basically like Instagram live a lot and just like share sh- showcasing the whole thing. So now people can like learn from him and he had like a spark behind it. It was kind of like his um little intro to the business. It was pretty cool. And then as he's in line and stuff, he was given like fast pass, or they call them genie plus passes now or whatever, different tips and, and tricks as you're in the parks, how you can really get around quickly and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Um, my point is like, if someone's interested in that, that would like check the episode title out, you'll see it. It's right in there, you know, Disney challenge. Um, we have some financial shows. We got a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. Um, I've had Olympians on Carrie Mullen, who holds the the fastest downhill skiing record at 97 miles per hour. He was on the show. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. We'll check it out. Glad you had you on the Unconventional Money Moves podcast, Mike. We'll see everyone next time. Thanks, brother.